Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. talk longer probably. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Hey, uh, last week, um, Easter Sunday, we talked about this idea of the open door. How many of you guys were here last week? Awesome. You guys are good Christians. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, and I want to continue uh, this, this conversation. And, and we, what we're doing is kicking off in Revelation chapter 3. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there just briefly. And we're going to hit just two passages here today. Revelations 3, though, we get this snapshot of the Lord speaking to uh, a particular church. This church was the Church of Philadelphia. It's a different Philadelphia than the one that you're thinking. Revelations 3, verse 7, to, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words to him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Who holds the key of David, by the way? Jesus, all right? Any, any question I, I ask, the first answer that comes to your mind, you learned this in Sunday school, the first answer should be Jesus, all right? It's not a trick question. Um, those, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, and see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. And have not denied my name. And there's this promise that gets put on the table. As the Lord is reminding them, we know that, again about this church that they were a, a weak, a, a, a timid church. They had faced persecutions. They were a little beat down. They were a little um, risk adverse. Um, and so the Lord sends an angel to them to proclaim a message of, hey, listen, open your eyes. See, I have placed before you an open door. <clears throat> this is a door that's already open. And what we know about the open door in this passage, the doors mean a lot of things in Scripture, but one, um, one person said it like this, Dr. Gerald Hawthorne said, this door is, a, is, a, is symbolic of boundless opportunities, of an unlimited chances to do something worthwhile, of grand openings into new and unknown adventures of significant living, of heretofore unimagined chances to do good to make our lives count for eternity. And what God was reminding that church on that day, and what I believe he wants to remind all believers everywhere, is that wherever you're at in life, you have not been left without an option. You have not been left in a, in a room with no windows and no doors. Wherever we are at, in Christ, through Christ, because Jesus is the door, he has set before you and I a door in which we get to enter to uh, uh, imagine and explore a life we never thought was realized where we can live with him and for the world, unlimited chances for significance in this world. Are you guys with me here today on that? And it was a great to actually dive into this last week because if there is, has ever been an open door, it was the one that happened on Resurrection Sunday. And we know that Jesus knows what it means to be in a cold, dark room with no windows and no doors. He doesn't... He doesn't ask us to do something that he himself hasn't walked through and been victorious over. And so Jesus would come to us as one of us to bear the worst of the human condition upon himself, to receive it into himself, to bear hug that bad boy, take it into the tomb. And as the Father would allow him and give him authority to steal the keys of hell, of the keys of death, 
he would awake on the third day. And it's, I mean, I just can't get past this picture of the Father. I can imagine the Father even saying the same words to Jesus where he would invite Jesus to get up and he'd say, hey, son, look, 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 look. See, I have placed before you an open door and this door no man can shut. They tried to shut you in and nobody could shut you in. They tried to seal this thing and roll the big stone in front and put the Roman guards in front. They didn't know what was coming because you are not a closed door person. You are an open door person. He is the son of God who is an open door God and what he opens no man can shut. And so Jesus gets up and he sees before him an open door. And as he would go out of that grave, as he would leave the grave, as we know, what I love about Jesus, and we read this, this is all over the book of Romans, but he, when he went to the cross, he died our death. And when he walked out of that grave, when he resurrected, it was our resurrection as well. And so as he walked out of that tomb, we walked out of that tomb with him, which means for us what? That resurrection is not a one-time event. It is a way of living for those who are in Christ. It is an invitation to open our eyes to see a whole new world of possibility that we never before imagined. And this is exactly what Jesus came to announce and came to do. That as he would walk out of that tomb, he was announcing a new type of world, a new type of kingdom that was from the time that he got up, being established here on the earth. And so for those of us who heard the Easter message that said, hey, isn't this awesome? Our sins are forgiven so that someday later on after we die, we can go somewhere else in heaven. Listen, that message is powerful, and and I'm not saying that's untrue, but if we leave it at just the forgiveness of sins for somewhere later on somewhere else, we're missing the point of resurrection. Because as he would walk out of that tomb, he's saying, listen, this is not about something happening somewhere later on somewhere else. If you can get your stuff together, this is something that is being inaugurated here and now. And as he would take steps out, he's saying, I am the firstborn of this new creation. Would you join me in the new creation project that will overtake the world and will restore and renew all of creation and all of the cosmos until it's restored to God's original intention and design, which, can I remind you, is good. God did not, he did not intend to abandon a good world that he made to take us somewhere else for all of eternity. For all of eternity, he wants to bring us back into a restored, re-inhabited creation that he said was good. And, he, and, and we know it's good because that's why Jesus got up in bodily form to say, listen, your bodies, this world that you love, that you know, it is good and I will restore it. And you can join me, not later, but you can join me starting now. This is exciting. This is a whole new way of life. And so Jesus then, you know, it it puts a whole new perspective for why he would paint this vivid picture of the kingdom of God, right? He was just traveling the countryside, his whole ministry, talking about this new kingdom. There's a new kingdom, there's a new reality that's exploding on the scene. It's the kingdom of God. And it's 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 a kingdom that we never before imagined. It's the real magic kingdom, Right? And he would paint these pictures to help his people, his disciples, have a new way of seeing. Because this is about a new way of seeing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? They were looking for something to happen to be overthrown. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to teach you how to identify the kingdom of God inside of you and to live as new people. And so he would paint these pictures of the kingdom of God. He's like, imagine a kingdom where the last are the first and the weak are the strongest, and the least are the greatest, where the servants are the heroes, 
And the rejected and the distant franchise are the ones who are cherished and loved and seen. The ones who are overlooked are the ones who are at the center of God's attention. Imagine a world where those who are loaded up with guilt and oppression and shame for wrongdoing can be freed up from from having the guilt removed from them and they can live with a light burden. Imagine a world where the insignificant have found significance because they're known by God. Imagine a world where the sick don't have to stay sick and the dead don't have to stay dead. Imagine this whole new world that everything you thought about this world has been flipped upside down. Everything you thought about that kingdom is actually now, it's welling up inside of you to spill out into the world. That is the power of resurrection. That is the power of having the Spirit of God inside of us. We don't have to wait for something to happen. We just get to spill it out into the world that he loves. Woo! I love it. It's starting, it's a whole new resurrection, it's this whole new reality, it's starting from the inside out. The door is on the inside, and, and this is the invitation. This is what it means to be an open-door people, an open-door kind of uh, life. It's because um, we have a responsibility now, as those who are in Christ, we have a responsibility to live our lives different, where those would see Um, A world full of closed doors that they have to open. Those who are in Christ get to experience life through a whole new lens. Everything that we thought was closed. Actually, what has the open door, God, what is the open door that God has set before me? This is a responsibility for us to be people of possibilities. to, To be people that continue to ask the question, what if? What if? What is behind that door? What might happen? God, what might you be doing here and now? Because you have not left me without options and you have not asked me to go somewhere else to make this happen. The door starts here and now. The open door in Christ is not for another day. It's for here and now. That is the power of resurrection. Yeah? I think you guys got that now. All right. Hmm. So here, open up to the book of Acts, chapter 16. I want to look at one principle today, just to take another step in this direction. Open doors are about recognizing where God's at work, leaving something behind to go inhabit a new place. And sometimes open doors are not about a new place. Sometimes they're, not, they're about recognizing something here and now that was previously unseen. And so Acts chapter 16, we get into this passage where, man, the church is well on its way, all right? You read the book of Acts, man, it just starts charging out into the ends of the world. God, God, Jesus commissions his disciples, we read at the end of the Gospels. He says, go into all the world, do the stuff I told you to do, baptize people along the way, and I'm with you, right? Not very detailed instructions, really only instruction is go, right? Go and do what I do. Go and teach people along the way. Go invite them into this. And, and we find very quickly in journeying with the Lord, he doesn't often tell us what to do. And that's not as important to him what we're doing as it is that we have the propensity to just not stay where we're at, that we have the propensity just to go. That inside of us as believers, he is ascending God. What matters to him is not so much what we end up doing, but we're the ones who are not afraid to go do something to leave where we're at and to go somewhere new. And that's exactly what Paul was doing. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are going out. Believers are just charging out into the world, getting arrested, right? They're getting beaten down, 
getting just, they're dying horrible deaths, right? I mean, they go in with a lot of zeal. They know exactly why they're doing this. But, I mean, persecution is hitting the church. And um, all these things that they had been taught about the kingdom of God, they're having to come up against these circumstances that are very different than maybe what they had imagined. And so as Jesus, just as much as Jesus talked about captives going free and prisoners going free and this whole new way of life, here are all these believers dying and, uh, and, and being imprisoned. And yeah, there's, there's amazing things happening as we are about to read right here. But you can imagine what it must have felt like to charge into a whole new world and all your expectations to be confronted about what God is about to do and what he's really going to do ultimately. And so in this passage, Acts 16, this is, this is Paul and Silas. There's this chick that was following him around and, and just being annoying, all right? And this is, that's, that's the backstory context for you guys. Um, there's this girl that was following him around. She was practicing divination. She had a spear in her. And it sounded like what she said was really good. But it turns out Paul was just getting frustrated. Until so one day he just said, all right, that's enough. He goes to this girl and he said, hey, come out in the name of Jesus. Girl gets liberated, set free. These spirits leave her. Which was really good news for her probably. Not so good news for her employers. Because that's how they made their money is through her gift of divination, all right, her ability to hear from the spirits. And so that's where we pick up Acts 16, 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept a practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave them orders to beat, to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so, so you get the picture. They, they're doing the work of God. They're getting they're getting jailed up for doing what God told them to do, all right? S- setting people free. And it says in here, you know, they get taken back into a prison, which must have been an interesting thing for these early believers to have resurrection in their mindset, to be preaching a Jesus that couldn't be held by the grave. And then here they are getting taken into the inner recesses of prisons, and these were not nice prisons, right? They're shackled up. Um, conditions are harsh, and as you can imagine, when you are in this type of scenario where your circumstances isn't ideal, you pray to God and say, God, what, what's going on here? And we read in other passages, the believers, they start praying for God's miraculous provision. They start praying towards their circumstances for the circumstances to change. We do believe that God changes and can change our circumstances. Fervent prayer is effective in the Holy Spirit, yeah? But what we see here is, something a little bit different. Because ver- while, while they were waiting for a door to be open in the prison, they, weren't, they didn't just wait there uh, and stay where they're at. In fact, what we read next is that Paul and Silas find another open door before the door actually opened. All right? So here's what we read. In verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. All right? Which is crazy because at midnight they should be sleeping, right? And they're praying and singing. And so they're, in, they're caught up in this place. 
And uh, they're, they're praying to God, and you can imagine what they're praying about, but something inside them, we read, it starts to sing, and sing hymns of, God, hymns of praise to God. Other prisoners are listening in. And here's what happens. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. When Jesus sent his disciples out, oh, oh I'm sorry, and all the bonds were unfastened. And so, as they were in this place, they could have waited for something to happen on the outside, but they decided to take responsibility for what was happening on the inside. And you have to understand that a lot of times, we often miss doors of opportunity because the doors are on the inside, not the outside. They didn't wait for something to happen. They said, hey, listen, guys, there is a door that's available to us right here and right now. We get to open this door and go through this door. And on the other side of the store is freedom, it's praise, it's worship, it's excitement, it's celebration because we have not been left alone. We don't have to wait for them to open a door. We can go through a door right now and decide what our situation is going to be right here and now. And this is so important that we get this because most, many doors, when we start th- thinking about open doors, God, what are the open doors that you've given me in my life? Oftentimes, it's about changing the way we think and what we decide. Doors are not always circumstantial. You have to understand that, okay? Sometimes the opportunity doesn't involve going into a new place. It means finding a new and previously unrecognized opportunity in the old place. One of my, a story that I heard recently that I thought was brilliant that has exactly to do with this. There's this um, uh, Austrian uh, neurologist. His name is Viktor Frankl, Okay. He was kind of contemporaries with Sigmund Freud. He had, um, uh, he, he developed an entire systems of thought about what motivates humans, about what motivates human beings. But he was a Jew, and he was taken up into uh, Nazi comp- concentration camps back in the, in the 40s. His family was killed, all his possessions were taken, and he was in jail, in prison, with these guards. And he decided... Something very pivotal at that point in time. Here's what he says. I think we had this quote. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in every, any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. And he had this revelation moment when he was sitting in jail at the Nazi concentration camp. And he realized that he had the ability through how he carried himself and the attitude that he chose and what he chose to believe in that moment, even about God and about God's hand, God's presence in his life, he had the ability to actually live more free than the guys that actually imprisoned him. And he realized that the guys who are guarding this jail cell are actually more imprisoned than I am right now. And the story goes on like this. Frankel discovered that doors are not just physical. A door is a choice. He found that when his circumstances had closed every outdoor, every outer door to him, they revealed to him that doors the matter far more, the doors through which a soul can leave fear and enter into courage, leave hatred and enter into forgiveness, to leave ignorance and enter into learning. We get to choose those doors. Now, it's interesting that God has given us agency with him to partner with him on the life that we create, all right? I was watching this animal documentary the other day. Any, 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 any fans of animal documentaries here? All right. And these, you know, I, I love animal activists. This one guy was actually saying, you know, he was, you know, all these beautiful stories of like puppies 
that grew up with cheetahs and all these kind of weird animal combinations. And he's talking about these animals, and he's talking about, he said, isn't it awesome? They're just like us. They have all the same emotions. They have compassion. They're, they're sad. They can be happy, all those things. And he's trying to paint a picture of we're no different than these animals right here. But the one thing that we fail to see, though, is that humans have been given a different capacity. There is no other being on this earth that can actually think about their existence and evaluate their own existence. Okay? So there's never been a giraffe, you know, like in Africa, be like, man, why did I even get up today? Right? I don't even know. I don't even know where all, where is all this going? I don't even, I'm just doing the same things every day. That, that has never happened. There's never been a dog by a stream and it sees a leaf gently fall off a tree and glide down to the stream and there's no dog that's like, that is the most beautiful thing I've seen in weeks, right? Animals don't have the capacity to find meaning and beauty in things. But you and I, made in the image and likeness of God, have been given capacity in him to look in and to examine inside and say, listen, things are maybe, things have happened and shaped themselves in that way, but it's not in control of how I feel and who I am and who I'm becoming, that there's a door here that I am responsible for, and God has invited us as the ones who bear his image to walk through that door and to co-create a new life with him in that moment. Are you guys with me here? And so this is a tension, though, okay? Because one of the greatest kingdom tensions that we face is maintaining an expectation for God to change our circumstances, but knowing he'll often choose to start with our character. Our responsibility is to maintain an expectation, then a boldness and a confidence to speak to our circumstances, whether it's, you know, uh, jobs or, or needs or relational breakdown or things that are happening in our life that, uh, that, that we know that we, he asks us to, to boldly speak to those things in his spirit. But the tension is he'll often choose to start with the doors on the inside before he'll start with the doors on the outside. And when we go through those doors on the inside, it's amazing how a lot of times those things on the outside tend to change. I, and, and, and let me be clear here. I know people that... Um, have waited their entire life for a door to open up on the outside, and, it's, and, and the door hasn't opened up. It might be like a healing, maybe something, a physical condition. Maybe you've been in this place for a long time. You prayed for healing for years, and that door hasn't visibly opened up inside. You need to know that's not because God doesn't love you, and it's, because, it's not because you didn't have enough faith. But what I'm saying here this morning is that whatever limitation that God gives us, he has not left us without options for how we live and breathe and move within that world that we, that, that's happened to us, okay? And so while we confidently ask for healing in our bodies, it's important that we look at who we're becoming as we're awaiting that healing, okay? Um, I have a friend who is deaf, mostly deaf. And she's been praying her whole life for that healing. And there's been times where there's been glimmer, glimmers of hope. And um, she, the, again, that door never, never opened for her as far as actually being healed of, of her deafness. But at a certain point, she decided to change the way she, th- she thought. She said, well, as long as I have this, maybe God wants to use me to minister to other people that are in the same position. And so um, she works with 
deaf communities and others where people are wrestling through the same questions and she's able to go with them and, and expound to them upon the goodness and the nearness of God even in the middle of that, in the middle of their questions that there's a God who is near and there's a God who loves you. And so even with the limitations that God gives us, he allows us to be used by him. Now, I don't think, listen to me here, I don't think God purposely makes things go wrong I don't believe we can make a point that God makes things go wrong or he gives us sickness so that we can go minister to other people. But at the same time, I don't believe that God despises our limitations. Being an open-door person means we are yielded to a limitless God who allows us to thrive in the face of limitations. Okay, let's be clear. It doesn't make it less painful or confusing. Can we be honest sometimes? There's questions, the things we're waiting for. This is confusing. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what you're doing here, God. But it's amazing that when we find meaning in the face of limitation, how many people start to forget about those limitations? And I'm not saying it as a blanket statement, and I don't know the pain that you've walked through, but I do know this. Some of the poorest people I know have walked through a door, and they carry themselves like they're the richest. Nothing changed. But they decided, listen, I have been enriched in every way. And some of the poorest people that I know, or I go to their, their house and they have no food in the fridge, every day they're scheming up on how they can give themselves away in a generous way. With the camps that we do, and one of the things I love about youth camps is there's an opportunity. We have some disgusting lies in our culture about image and identity, especially for young women. For young men too, but especially for, for young women. We bought this lie that you have to be this certain image, a certain body type. You have to have these certain specific parameters for you to find beauty and worth and value. That is a lie. Listen to me, young women. You are beautiful and lovely and valuable just as you are. Do not buy into that lie. And, and what I love is those times where a young woman that has been obsessing over how she looks and just so unsure and so insecure has an encounter in the love of God and a door opens up and she steps through that door and she realizes all of a sudden as she looks herself in the mirror that she is the most prized, loved, accepted, affirmed, beautiful person on the face of the planet. And it's not because she got the surgeries. It's not because she got the right gift card to the right store. It's not because all the right things happened to her. It's because of everything she believes about what God says about her, right? A door is open. And listen, sometimes those doors start on the inside and they make their way to the outside and they change the way we behave and we look on the outside. Are you guys with me? And that's why, and that's, that's why God loves to use us even in the middle of our deficiencies. Is, is there any amens right there? Do you ever feel like you're disqualified from being used by God? Like when your marriage is a little, whoa, what's going on here? All of a sudden, God brings somebody to you, like a couple, like to minister to their marriage. You're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I don't even know if I can do this, right? Or God, you're waiting healing. God asks you to go pray for another person. Or that day where you just conf- like you're angry, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, you don't even know what's, you, you think you lost your salvation that day. 
And God, you know, he brings, you know, a circumstance where just unbelievable kindness and grace and mercy flow through your life. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on here? You know why? Because God loves to remind us that he's not afraid of our limitations and that he can open a door no matter where we're at and what season we're at. But that door is on the inside and he allows us to, go take, to walk through that door to affect the way we live. Do you guys, you guys hear me today? So we pray for circumstances to change, but our testimony is not just what God does for us, it's what God does in us. And this is so important that we get this, because we are a people who believe that God miraculously changes situations and environments, and we pray boldly for that. That's Isaiah 61. God is just changing all kinds of things. But I talk to so many people, even believers, who still feel stuck and still feel optionless. And we have to get this, guys. We have to know this is, the, this is the kind and caliber of people we are. That we are a people of perpetual hope. We have a new lens through which we view the entire world. That as we come through the door of Christ, there is always another door to walk through. And in that door, there's a hundred more doors. And that is the life that we are called to in Christ, right? And, and, and it allows us to find meaning in everything that we do. I heard the story recently about a woman, a bus driver in San Francisco. Her name is Linda Wilson Allen, and John Ortberg tells this story. There's a front-page a front article in the San Francisco Chronicle about her. She drove the number 49 bus, and she became famous as a bus driver because of the way she cared for the people that came on her bus. And she would, people would come on their bus, she would, greet every, she would memorize every name of every person that came on the bus as, as, she w- as they would start to take her route. If they w- w- didn't show up one day, she would wait for them and delay the bus and wait for them and then make up her time later in the route somewhere. Um, there was a time where th- she noticed that there was somebody new that was taking the bus and then she would ask them, hey, um, uh, do you have any plans for Thanksgiving? Do you know anybody? And she said, no. And so this bus driver just adopted this, this, this whole family to come over to their house for Thanksgiving. And it came to the point where the bus is just jam-packed because people would go out of their way in the city just to go take her bus because they knew that if they were going to be in her bus, they were going to be loved and cared for that day. And, uh, and in the article... They asked her, what, what, is, what are you doing? Like, what, what is this? I mean, it was just crazy. People were, were getting their bus driver gifts. You know, they would, like, give her plants and scarves and stuff. And it, it just created this whole tribe, this whole community where people were loving each other. And they asked her about this. How does she have this attitude? And the article said, her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes every day. And she asked the Lord, God, whatever person you set, you set before me today, whatever path you, you, you take me today, whoever comes on my bus, let them, as the door of the bus opens up, God, and they come into my life, God, would you open a door for them to experience your love and your power in a new way? I don't know anybody who's ever been excited about driving a bus, but I'm telling you what, what does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like bus number 49 in San Francisco, driven by Linda Wilson-Allen. That's where you find the kingdom of God in San Francisco, apparently. And I tell that story because I think it's the same for us. 
We, we, we spend so much of our time trying to get from here to there, trying to open up all these other doors or, or looking at our life or wondering why things haven't shaped up. I'm telling you guys, though, when we allow God to apply meaning and favor and open a door wherever we're at, wherever we are, and whatever we've been given, he will take us up in that opportunity. And the people that he places in front of us, all of a sudden now they have an open door in front of them to experience a God they never knew existed either. That is what it means, guys. This is the type of people we are. We're open door people joining Jesus on his mission to love the world, to invite the world into a love never before known. And I, I, I think today, as, as we kind of come into close here, I do want to pray for us here, for each person that is in that place of waiting. And I hope you hear this today. Your waiting is not diminished for whatever pain or confusion you might still carry in the midst of that. I'm not saying that doesn't matter. Listen to me. I'm saying lift your eyes. Be given a new way to see that you have not been left without options, that you have not been left alone, that while you're waiting for something to happen on the outside, things are exploding on the inside. I love that quote I heard last week, that resurrection insists that there's a whole new world quietly exploding within this one. There's a whole new world quietly exploding in you. And let me just remind you, the kingdom of God is in you. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. And that means our conversations have to be at that elevation, right? Our questions towards each other in our groups, in our homes, they have to be at that elevation. Where are the open doors? Because when we're open to our people, then, then we know that God has given us opportunities of risk. God has given us places where he wants us to step into, and those might be new and unexplored territories. But very rarely in Scripture does he command anyone to stay. He didn't say, I've set before you a hammock, right? Just get comfy. I set before you a nice, lazy boy chair, just said before you adore. It's a boundary. It's a threshold to something new. And that starts with knowing that the door is here. And so, God, I pray for every person here today. I pray for the things that we've been given and the territories that we occupy. Thank you for the jobs and the occupations, the vocations that each person has as mothers and fathers and each sphere of society in the business world, in the education world, in the medical world, in politics, in government, God, in athletics. Get all these creative places. I thank you, Father, that you were not far from us in those places. And this morning, we just pray for a new, energizing work of your spirit to invigorate us from the inside out. And just as Paul and Silas be able to sit in a prison and walk through a door that led to songs and hymns, I thank you for songs and hymns to explode on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. And by the time we get here back Sunday morning, it's just a, it's just a big hymn party, God. We thank you for the song of the Lord 
and a song of praise to be announced and pronounced in our lives, God, as we see that you have not left us alone. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for resurrection, God. We thank you that it's not a one-time event. We don't have to save it for Easter, God, that we don't have to wait another 365. This is who we are. I bless you in the name of Jesus. May the God of peace sustain you and thrill your heart this week. In the name of Jesus, amen.